Hallelujah. If you'll open your Bibles with me tonight to Exodus. Exodus chapter 33. Start reading at verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For now, then will, how then? Will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Heavenly Father, tonight as we consider your word, I believe that this is a message for us here. I believe you have something to say to us here tonight. I believe that your Holy Spirit is uh, here to minister, to lead us into all truth. I believe, God, that you can quicken our hearts and open our ears. And, Lord, I ask for your anointing upon this word and upon this pastor. I ask, Lord, that each one in this congregation would be under your anointing to receive that, Lord, your word would accomplish that for which you've sent it. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's a lot of promises in the Bible. And all of them are meant to conform us into the image of Christ. All these promises... are so that we can be partakers of God's nature. He wants us conformed into the image of Jesus. But I think the greatest promise that God gave is right here. And that was a promise of his presence. And so let us inquire into this tonight as to how this promise was sought. He said to Moses, he said, bring up this people. Now I want you to imagine the, this is a great commission. I want you to go and bring this people up. I want you to bring them from Egypt and I want you to bring them up to the promised land. And who is capable of doing or 
confronting such a task. These Jews, there was probably, well, including the mixed multitude and everything, some estimate that there was a million and a half, two million Jews, and he's only one man. And it, it's mind-boggling. It's, it, it would just make a man cringe to think, how can I accomplish what God has told me to do? And yet we look at the Great Commission and God says, go ye therefore into all the world and proclaim the gospel unto every creature. And we have the same kind of a feeling. Lord, it's such a, such a tremendous job. You tell us, go bring this people. But how are we going to accomplish it? How is it ever going to get done? See, without the presence of God, without God's mighty anointing, and without God's guidance, Moses could never have accomplished anything. And so I see it as a message to us tonight that we need the presence of God. At Azusa Street, which was almost the birthplace of this movement. There was such a presence of God in that stable that people came from all over the earth to visit Azusa Street. And they would, they would go in and they would fall under the power of Almighty God and some would begin to cry out for salvation, and some would uh, go down under the Spirit, and no one had said a word. No one was preaching, just people in there praying. But the presence of God was there. It's been said that God's biddings are his enablings. His presence is always associated with his commands and his demands. We may confidently ask and expect his all-sufficiency. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 9. Second Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Put your own name in there. That you, always having all sufficiency in all things, have an abundance for every good work. Well, there's a whole lot more there, and I, I haven't taken the whole context, and you might want to read it over because it's good. He says the more you give, the more he's going to give you to give, and so on. It, it's, it's a real good chapter to read. But I want to read that from the Amplified Bible. God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing 
come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever you whatever the need be self-sufficient possessing enough to in require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. God is able to give us everything that we need. No matter what the job is, God has given us everything that we need. If we have the presence of God, we have everything. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen? And so I see that if we can have the presence of God, everything else just automatically takes care of itself. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added. And so I see the most important thing that this congregation or, or myself or you as an individual could possibly need would be, I need the presence of Almighty God in my life. I need the presence of Almighty God in this church. That's going to take care of everything. <clears throat> Secondly, let's look at what this promise offered. In verse 14 of our text, it says, And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. My presence will go with thee. Who's sufficient to really unwrap such a package as that and discover everything that's wrapped up in that one promise. I will go with thee. You really, it, it, everything is wrapped up in that one statement. I will go with thee. All the treasures of the earth and the ocean can be exhausted. All the demands of humanity can, can just deplete the universe. But never in time or, de or, or eternity will the riches that's, that's packaged in this promise ever be exhausted. I will go with thee. I mean, that was the answer to all of Moses' questions. That was the motivation that was, that was the thing that carried him on day by day. That's the thing that made him a success. Amen? The fact that God was with him. <clears throat> and you know, this same promise is yours, and that same promise is mine tonight. If you go to Matthew 28 and 20, he tells us to go therefore into all the world, we're to, we're, we're to uh, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that uh, I have commanded you. And then he says it. Lo, 
I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Hallelujah. See, that, that promise should just drive away every fear that we have. When we go to witness to someone, if we would just realize that God, he said he would be there. You're not alone in this thing. God is there with you. When you're going through the struggles of life, God is there with you. Because he said he would be there with you. Hallelujah. No matter what you've got to face, no matter what comes against you, God said, I will be with thee. You go over to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, and he again repeats the promise. <clears throat> Let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that's why, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. If God's for me, who do I have to fear? If God is with me, then how can I go wrong? No matter what comes against me, if I've got the presence of God, I am an overcomer. Amen? Hallelujah. But this presence can only be made real to us by the Holy Spirit. How many of you remember back before you were baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and uh, you just didn't have that same feeling of the presence of God? Do you remember back to that? I'm not, uh, it just, it was like something was missing. I went to church and everything, and uh, I understood what they were saying, but you know, the Spirit really makes him real to you. And when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, God wasn't out there somewhere. God was here, and I sensed his presence, and I had a communion with him, and I had a fellowship with him like I'd never had before. And I guess people really have a problem trying to understand that. And I'm not putting anybody down if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm just saying you need it because it will make God that much more real to you. He's no longer some historical figure somewhere. He is alive. His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. <clears throat> I 
And it takes the Spirit to reveal the things of Christ to us. He said when the comforters come, he'll lead you into all truth. Yet, all I've got to do is quench the Spirit in my life, and all of a sudden, I begin to feel less and less of His presence. How many's ever quenched the Spirit in their life? And you know what I'm saying is true. You feel less and less of the presence of God. And so what we've got to do is we've got to cultivate that relationship. We've got to be open to the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit so that that presence is made real to us. And when we have such a presence of God in our fellowship, and you will have because each member that comes in that's filled with the Holy Ghost and has the presence of God with him brings the presence in. And soon, people can walk into the room and they don't have to say, where is your God? They can sense his presence. The air almost becomes statically charged. Have you ever walked into a congregation and you knew that God was there of a certainty because you could feel his presence? And that's what we've got to strive for. We've got to strive to have so much of God in our lives as individuals that God automatically comes into the sanctuary, into this building, when we're here. We don't have to work it up. We don't have to sing uh, nine songs before we even begin to sense his presence. You're sensing his presence before you even leave home. And you come into the congregation, and when everybody comes together, he said, where two or three are gathered together, behold, I am in your midst. He will be here. And there will be such a presence of God in here that people will travel for miles because people are hungry to feel God. There's people who have traveled all the way from here to Rochester to, or Buffalo because there was some evangelist there and they heard that the presence of God was going to be there. And I don't know of anywhere where he said, you've got to be a big congregation in order to have my presence. All you've got to do is personally cultivate in your own life the presence of God. He said, I will be with thee. And you've got to cultivate that presence by being very careful not to quench the Holy Spirit. Because the minute you quench the Holy Spirit, then you begin to feel less 
and less and less of the Spirit of God. Till finally you could come into a congregation where it was statically charged, you wouldn't feel a thing. You wouldn't feel a thing. You'd be worse off than if you'd never been saved because no one comes except the Spirit draws. Isn't that right? <clears throat> and those that get saved in, in, in a service, the Spirit's working with them. Hallelujah. <clears throat> you see, in that wilderness, they had a tabernacle. And in that tabernacle was a little tent. And in one half of that tent was a place called the Holy of Holies. And in there was a little box and in the box was the law and the manna and Aaron's rod. But on top of that, there was two cherubims with their wings spread over the box. And God said, I, my presence will be there. And when they set up the tabernacle... There was such a presence of God there that Moses, when he would come out from being in the presence of God, he would have to put a veil over his face because he would just shine with that Shekinah glory. And when we come from the presence of God, there is something that will just... Our faces will glow and will radiate what is in our hearts. You don't have to ask a person if he's saved or not. You can see it in their countenance because God is, is at work in their heart and there's such a presence of God that they glow. The same way when Solomon built his temple. The presence of God was there in such force that the priests couldn't even minister. Amen? On the day of Pentecost, there was such a presence of the power of God there. that 3,000 people get saved. Glory! Hallelujah! And you know, that same presence that was in the tabernacle, that was in, the, was in the Solomon's temple. See, you're the temple of the Holy Ghost now. And that same Shekinah that hung over the tabernacle should hang over this tabernacle. Thirdly, let's look at when this promise was given. It was given in an answer to a cry of desire, infinitely pleasing to God. Moses prayed, 
Show me thy glory that I may know thee. How could God do anything but answer to that? I want to know you, God. Okay. You can do it. I'll, I'll be with you. Nothing pleases God any more than to say, God, I want to know you. Not, not know of you. I want to know you. And the power of your resurrection. Isn't that what Paul said? I want to know you in the power of your resurrection. Can't you just feel the desire in Moses' heart? Oh, yeah, bring up the people, okay. But you've got to go with me. I, I want to I get to know you. Let me read it from the Amplified Bible. This verse 13 here of our text. Now, therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, show me your way, that I may know you progressively because more, become more deeply and intimately acquainted with you, perceiving and recognizing and understanding more strongly and clearly that I may find favor in your sight. And... Lord, do consider that this nation of people, they're yours. See, his first cry was, I want to know you. Then, Lord, the people you told me to bring up, it's really not my responsibility, it's yours. I mean, he, he threw it right back to God. God says, bring up my people, and he said, okay, God, catch the ball. They're your people. So if you will let me know you and let me uh, uh, walk with you and let me sense what you want me to do and, and uh, recognize everything that I'm supposed to be doing, fine, I'll bring these people up. But they're your people. And if, if we can just have that heart's cry, I, yes, Lord, I want to witness but the first thing is, I want to know you. I want to be acquainted with all of your ways. I want to fall so in love with you, God. I want to be motivated by your spirit. See? And when we cry for things like that, when we're praying, rather than praying uh, some of these uh, grocery list type prayers, God's going to hear us. How could he not answer a prayer like that? If you really mean it from your heart, I want to know you. I don't care what it, what it takes. I want to know you. I've got, to, I've got to have the presence of God with me all the time. It was the presence of God that was with Finney that made people fall down and, and begin to cry before he, he even got a chance to minister. It was the presence of God that, uh, I, I don't remember whether it was Finney or, or uh, Wigglesworth, but one of them were, was on a train. And he didn't say anything to, to anybody. He just began to pray. 
And a guy came up to him and said, Sir, you convict me of sin. Hallelujah. That's what we need, the presence of God. How many of you here has got as much of the presence of God as you really want? I don't. I'm confessing I don't. I need it. I've got to have it. If you want to pray for me, pray that I would have that presence of God. Then I'll be able to lead you like I should. This is a big responsibility. And I, if I make my decision as a man, then I'm going to make mistakes just like a man. But if I have the presence of God and God's leading in me and God's guiding me, then I can't make mistakes because God will be making the decisions. And we need the presence of God in our sanctuary so that when people come in, Brother Saunders talked about it one time. He called it a holy hush. Like there's such a awe that you really don't want to open your mouth. There's just something too important here. Something too awe-striking. And it drives you to your knees and you begin to cry before God, realizing that you're in the presence of Almighty God. Not because you sang beautiful songs, not because there was, there was people falling down under the Spirit, but because there was a presence of God there. And we can have it. I believe God will give it to us. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, he pours out water on the thirsty. See, I don't want to be blessed. I want the God of the blessing. Amen? Last of all, let's look at what the promise brought. Verse 16. <coughs> for now, for how then, <coughs> excuse me, for how then, Will it be known that your people and I have, been, have found grace in your sight? How is anyone going to know, God, that we've found grace in your sight? Because God is present. Because they were different from anyone else. See, the rest of the people claimed they had gods. But Israel was different. They had the presence of God. 
And that's how they knew that the people, uh, uh, the other nations knew that the Israelites had found favor in God because they had God's... Well, who else could, who else could uh, walk up to the, to the Red Sea and, and, and take a stick and shake it in the air and, and, and the waves part and people walk through on dry land? Who else could go up and hit a rock and the water come pouring out? Must be that God was there. Huh? They'd found favor in God's sight. Fed them in the wilderness for 40 years. Didn't have to plow. Didn't have to plant. They just went out and picked it up. And no matter where they went, they had water. It says the rock followed them. Isn't that what it says? And their clothes didn't wear out. And their shoes didn't wear out. And their feet didn't get sore. I'd say they found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That's why people knew they were different. They had the presence of God. They didn't have to go and tell people, I'm different from you. I'm an Israelite. They knew they were an Israelite. They had the presence of God. You don't have to advertise where the presence of God is. People's going to stand up and take notice. Secondly, verse 14, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. They had an assurance of rest. No longer struggling. No longer trying to, trying to get programs enough together so that we could get 100 people in here. Huh? Oh, I've got the presence of God and I can just rest. God's doing the work. God before me, who can be against me? Amen. It's of, if it's of God, it's going to succeed. Amen. If it's not of God, it's going to fail. We got the presence of God here. It's got to succeed. We can just rest in that fact. They had rest every inch of the way. When the cloud lifted, they moved. When the cloud sat down, they sat down. And they stayed there until the cloud moved again. They didn't grumble and complain. Well, it's just a time of rest. We've had a good time since the beginning of the year. Time for a little rest. Wait for the cloud. As soon as the cloud moves, move! Easy, isn't it, huh? Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden. What's he going to give you? Rest. 
presence of God is there is rest. No more struggle. You don't have to struggle to try to get rid of bad habits and stuff then. They just kind of fall by the wayside. Amen? Everything just kind of takes care of itself. See, so what we really need is the presence of God. That's the only thing we need to be really praying for. God, I want to know you and the power of your resurrection. Hallelujah. He says, if you'll abide in me, I'll abide in you. Oh, well, wait a minute. You mean I was in him and I moved? No wonder I don't have the presence of God I had before. I must have moved. God, how did I move? Which way do I go to return? Show me. Let me repent. Boy, that ought to send us to our knees the moment we walk out from under the presence of God. I've quenched the Holy Spirit somewhere. Where did I do it? I've got to go back and find it. I can't do anything else until I find the presence of God. Hallelujah. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil for... Why? Thou art with me. Hallelujah. If you got God with you, that's all you need. That's all you need. Hallelujah. His presence gives rest. It gives rest from the power of sin. It gives rest from the fear of men. It gives rest from the cares of this world. It gives rest from the anxieties that you have from serving the Lord. Hey, all of a sudden, Sandy, you know what? It's no problem to be a Sunday school superintendent. God's doing it all. Know what? Brother Gill, it's no problem to be, a, be an elder in the church anymore. God's doing it. You understand? We need the presence of God in here. We've got to have it. Not just once in a while, continually. We've got to have it in here. Then, verse 16, we see that there's the power of separation. His presence separated them from Egypt. The presence of Almighty God separated Abraham from Ur of the Chaldees. And it's going to take the presence of God to separate us from sin, separate us from the world, separate us from these habits that God doesn't like. 
we've got to have the presence of God. If I haven't done anything else tonight, I hope I've made you hungry for the presence of God. I hope I'm not the only one that's so hungry to, to have more of the presence of God. I need it. I hope those that are listening on to, the, to this tape just don't cry out, God, I need your presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.